Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. This is an RNZ podcast. This week, Mortal Engines offers something novel. Big cities on wheels. The world is changing. Nothing can stand in the face of this. We are London. Rose is a story of old folks in love. All right, another one. You must think I'm crazy. I don't think you're crazy. I think you're beautiful. And the award-winning Roma is a maid's-eye view of Mexico, 1971. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. Well, that's pretty much it for the year, and I know what you're thinking. That was quick. It seemed only a few months ago, and so on. But as far as the actual content of the year, particularly the content of your local cinemas, I'm not sure I do know what you're thinking. I've read a number of enthusiastic summaries of 2018, all pretty much saying, what a year. Certainly there were several big hits, albeit often undemanding ones. We can't tell anybody about the baby yet. I just told Bill. Yeah, and I told Harry. I told many, many people. My own impression was the year was a bit lacklustre, apart from the flurry of quality around last awards season and a similar offer of good films leading up to the next one. Well, next week we'll wrap up the year with a more scientific survey of hits and misses, but this week's selection seems a pretty typical one. Mankind mobilised. A new age arose. The age of the great predator cities. Survival of the fastest. There's one gigantic blockbuster hoping to turn into a franchise. To add a frisson to this gamble, Mortal Engines is the latest from local boy Sir Peter Jackson. Or to be more accurate, his loyal apprentice Christian Rivers. At the other end, there's a tiny art film aiming at the oldies, the so-called Silver Dollar, featuring Sybil Shepherd and James Brolin as star-crossed elderly lovers. Things change, you know. How'd you find me? I looked up Will Jones, architect in Santa Fe. He answered, told me you were here. Rose is a film that asks the question, why did this get a release when other far more deserving films were relegated to the crowded marketplaces of Netflix and Sky Movies? I'm not sure I can answer that, though another film destined for Netflix as well also launches a short season in cinemas this week to qualify for the Oscars.
It's called Roma. It's like nothing we've seen for at least 30 years. And it's directed by Mexican Alfonso Cuaron, who's one of the best directors in the world. Roma is the sort of autobiographical masterpiece we associate with the 70s and 80s. It looks and sounds several million dollars, and there isn't a dry eye on the house by the end. But before we can luxuriate in the joys of the well-made art film, we must pay our dues. And that means a film whose reputation and size have preceded it. The gigantic Mortal Engines. Hester! Take this. And stay out of sight until I give you the signal. What signal? I'm not that subtle. Mortal Engines is based on a series of young adult books, part of the steampunk movement of a few years ago. Steampunk is essentially a sort of clockwork sci-fi where people tidy up after a recent apocalypse. Oh, recent apocalypses, what would movies do without you? By cobbling together new gadgets out of old tech. OK, city boy, take her from here. What? I gotta go. Late for church. The boffins at Weta love steampunk, incidentally, and many of them have created big illustrated books on the subject, along with cute, expensive steampunk toys. It's a design style so dominating that it doesn't leave much room for a story, you'd think, especially when you saw the first trailer for Mortal Engines. What is that? That is London. 60 minutes is all it took to bring humanity to the very brink of extinction. That's right. After the apocalypse, the 60-minute war, all the cities on Earth were put on wheels and sent out hunting. They called it municipal Darwinism, and the biggest and baddest predator was the city of London. The world changing. Nothing can stand in the face of this. We are London. Wait, the City of London? The whole City of London on wheels? Do you have any idea how ridiculously big that is? Well, apparently not, since the size of London on wheels seems to vary depending on need. But enough set up. Let's meet our hero or heroine. As to Shaw, she won't stop until I'm dead. Unless you kill her first. I want them found! OK, now that's a bit tricky since Mortal Engines can't quite make its mind up who the lead is. Is it the mysterious, lightly scarred Hester Shaw with her fetching red scarf? We meet her stalking obvious villain Valentine, played by wetter favourite Hugo Weaving. But Hester's thwarted when working-class idiot Tom Natsworthy calls out to warn Valentine. Hey, watch out! Valentine... This is for my mother. Stop her! 
So is Tom our hero. One of the requirements of a hero in a fantasy novel is ignorance, after all. He's usually the guy who has to have everything explained to him before he can, I don't know, save the world or whatever. Having failed to stab Valentine, Hester dashes off, but not before telling Tom why she did it. Valentine killed her mother? Tom is amazed. Ask him why he murdered my mother. I'm sorry you had to hear that. Well, no idea why Valentine doesn't simply stick with stout denial, but the upshot is he tosses both Hester and Tom over the side of London to fend for themselves in the post-apocalyptic desert. With a bit of time on their hands, Hester fills in a bit of backstory about her mum and mum's boyfriend, Valentine. I was eight years old when my mother died. She loved travelling the world and digging up the past. He used to visit all the time. Yes, that Valentine. It seems years ago, archaeologist Mum tripped over some magic doodad, it's got the words Acme MacGuffins written on the side, that Valentine was so anxious to have, he murdered Mum for it. Now one day, everything changed. She'd found something. Something he wanted. He would have killed me too. Well, no sooner has Hester told Tom this than a third nominee for the role of star of the movie turns up. It's action woman Anna Fang, who all these years has been looking for Hester. Before she died, your mother told me she was afraid of Valentine and that if anything should happen to her, it was to find you, that you could stop him. Mum told Anna to find Hester. Bear in mind that Hester was eight when Mum was killed, so I'm not sure how much help she was meant to provide. But wait, look over there. Back in London, Valentine's attractive daughter Kate takes it on herself to also do a bit of heroin work, thus running up a total of four potentially central characters, all working independently. Strange to think this is what it looked like. 21st century? Yep. It's so different. Well, that's what happens when the Earth's crust gets shattered into a thousand pieces. The problem with making up worlds, which is what most fantasy series are mostly about, isn't in the details. In Mortal Engines, director Christian Rivers and his team at Wellington's Wetter Factory have conjured up enough detailed gadgets to fill a dozen movies. He's here. In the great game of survival, this is checkmate. But the trick is making all this stuff make sense with people we're prepared to invest in and tied to a gripping story. When it works, the Marvel Universe, Harry Potter, the first Star Wars films, and of course, Lord of the Rings, it's marvellous. You look at her and all you see are the jagged edges. She is something quite different. She is beautiful and strange and very, very rare. When it doesn't, the DC Universe, Fantastic Beasts and Valerian and the Thousand Planets, it's both exhausting and boring. Mortal Engines thought it could get away with brilliant art direction and didn't need any big-name actors to carry it. It was wrong. Nothing can stand in the face of this... 
We have to stop London before it destroys us. Too much steampunk, not enough characters to care about. Where's Viggo Mortensen or Jennifer Lawrence or even Sir Ian McKellen when you need them? American film Rose is so small it can't even decide whether it's been released yet or not. In the States, it's still listed as in post-production. It's the work of a former ad man called Rod McCall who's cobbled together a story about an elderly ex-cop called Rose who wants to take off on an adventure. I'm going on a road trip tomorrow. To Rose's road trip. All the money you and Dennis saved to go on a road trip in your wheelchair... It's crazy. It's scary. Rose is played by veteran movie star Sybil Shepherd, who clearly saw possibilities in the tale of a feisty old lady taking off on a motorised wheelchair. She's on a mission to reunite with her son after the death of her beloved husband, Dennis. Her friends wave her a fond farewell. I get it, Rose. This road trip of yours is your way of giving the finger. Loneliness. So we take off on a picaresque road movie, even if it is at a snail's pace. Along the way, Rose meets nice people, one bad guy who she sees off because she's an ex-cop and armed to the teeth, and finally, a cool old cowboy, played by James Brolin. Yeah, I could fly through a midnight rain. Cowboy. Woman Go see Will. Go see your son, Rose. Rose takes time off from her quest, chasing down her son Will, remember, to hang out with cowboy Max. But there's trouble. Max has a bratty daughter called Bonnie who doesn't cotton to feisty women in wheelchairs. And Rose has her own problems with commitment. You understand? Mom, it's over. I'm scared, Rose. Stop, just stop! You having a good day? So Rose takes off again, looking for her son, Will. Along the way, she runs into another colourful character, Lily, played by Pam Greer. Say what you like about director Rod McCall's scriptwriting skills, he seems to have no difficulty attracting a decent cast. His last note took his last breath on stage at the end of Don Giovanni at the Santa Fe Opera. What a way to go. Only one angel, oh. Encouraged by Lily to seize the day, Rose arranges to meet son Will at a Santa Fe restaurant. But who suddenly turns up but Max the cowboy? He's hunted her down because, well, shucks, he loves her, that's all. Max, Bonnie doesn't like me, and I can't blame her. She doesn't know you. I'm in the way. Rose, stop. I'm not letting you go. That's the way it is. But before this astounding twist can come to anything, in comes Will the Sun, who seems a bit of a sourpuss. He's got a girlfriend called Ashley. Or is she just a girlfriend? Max, Ashley is a chef at one of the best restaurants in Santa Fe. Hi, Max. And she's Will's girlfriend. Wife. She's my wife. Mom got married three months ago. Surprise!
And to add insult to injury, or to be more accurate, to add belated plot to no plot at all, it's revealed that Will is a bit of a junkie who blames Mum for not encouraging Dad to forgive him for it. Got that? Mom, you robbed me of any chance to make peace with Dad. Will, it was your father's dying wish not to let you in the hospital. I begged him. What else was I supposed to do? Just stop blaming Dad. Why didn't you fight for me? God damn it, I did. Bullshit, Mom. Well, now that director Rod McCall has got the bit between his teeth, plot-wise, he throws even more story at Rose. Why is it so important that she tracked down her son, McCall thinks we're wondering. Tell us, Rose. Go away. Rose, just leave. Please, I just am. go. Dying, God damn it. My doctor just told me, and I don't even know how to pronounce what it is. There, you should know. That's right. Rose was on her last legs all that time she was wheelchairing across the New Mexico desert with nothing to sustain her but a few joints. It's a story that could have gone somewhere with a bit more James Brolin and Pam Greer, maybe. And at least the pensioners in this film don't start robbing banks, which is a small mercy this year. Surprise me, lady. And I could run across the desert wind you, uh, drop these? It's, uh, medicinal. But Rose is woefully thin. It goes nowhere we couldn't predict in the first five minutes. And when it gets there, we're frankly no better off. As I've said numerous times this year, just offering films with old people in them isn't enough. After decades of seeing great movies, this audience deserves better than it's often getting. You must think I'm crazy. I don't think you're crazy. I think you're beautiful. Roma is a film that made its debut at the prestigious Venice Film Festival where it dazzled everyone who saw it. It won the Golden Lion despite being resolutely untrendy with no stars, no relevance to the political or social issues of 2018, in Spanish, mostly, and black and white. The title Roma refers to a middle-class district in Mexico City where writer-director Alfonso Cuaron was brought up and which he's recaptured in almost obsessive detail. The household is a mother, a father, a grandmother, four children all under 13 and two maids, Adela and Cleo. And in Mexico, like in much of Latin America, the maids are the ones doing much of the hands-on raising of the children, as well as tidying, cooking and generally supporting the family. (laughs) 
Cleo is an indigenous Mexican. She and Adela speak Mixtecan when they're together. And the story of Roma is a love letter to maids like her. They may live up in the attic, but in many ways they're valued members of the family and indeed think of themselves that way too. The action takes place in a very specific time, 1970 and 1971, a time of unrest in Mexico, but also in the home of Sophie and Antonio. He's a doctor, and at the start of the film, he's off to Canada on business, he says. But there's clearly more to this than he and his wife are letting on. Meanwhile, there are violent protests happening in the streets, despite Cleo's attempt to keep the children away from it. There's one extraordinary scene where Cleo is shopping at the precise moment a riot breaks out outside in the street. Gunmen chase protesters into the store, and it's clearly not an unusual occurrence. Scenes like this and an unexpected earthquake, a little girl and her grandmother immediately dropped to their knees in prayer, a local martial arts class later used by cynical politicians for their own purposes, they all combine to create the unique atmosphere of Roma. But it's not just the setting or the extraordinary texture of the pictures. It's the richest, almost tactile black and white I've ever seen. But it's also the wonderful portrayal of Mexican family life, the bickering children, the often self-centred parents, and the patient, heroic presence of Cleo the maid. Roma is Alfonso Cuaron's masterpiece in a career that also boasts Children of Men, Itu Mama Tambien and the Oscar-winning Gravity. And the performance he elicits from first-time actor Yalitza Aparacio as Cleo is a minor miracle. This is Cleo's journey, not just getting the family through a year of trials, but confronting her own dramatic challenges. I'm loath to say much more other than to urge you to see Roma at a cinema rather than on Netflix, where it's heading shortly. You need to be immersed not just by the dazzling pictures, but by the sound. Nobody uses back speakers as often and as well as Alfonso Cuaron. Will it earn Cuaron his second Oscar? I'm told it's definitely the one to beat next year, Spanish language or not. But regardless of the Academy's final decision, Roma is one of the most beautiful films of the year.
And that wraps up this season's penultimate show. Next week, 2018, warts and all. I'm Simon Morris, and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to (laughs) pretend that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.